0: mighty that'll never fail. can't help but tell what he's done for me. I lift my soul gave give the victory. Set my footsteps to walk and Gave me eyes to see the light. The day this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord made. That the Lord has made. And exceedingly glad. Exceedingly glad. I in my from the Lord. Lord, great Lord God Almighty, never fade. Let the heavens rejoice let the earth be glad. Let the hills be forth, so let sea roll back. The earth, oh, yeah. I let the sea, oh, yeah. let the wind oh, yeah. and let the rain, oh, yeah. let the sun, oh, yeah. I let the moon, oh, yeah. I let the young oh, yeah. and let the old, let the church, oh, let the church, yeah. left the church, left the church, left the church to be exceedingly glad. This day, this is the day that the Lord has made.
2: Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We are pleased that you have joined us here uh, this morning. Whether it be live uh, or you're listening to this at a later date, we welcome you to the class. This is the final episode of the question that was posed, are we living now in the last days? That's where we're at. Um, Well... um, we've spent many weeks examining the scriptures to learn when the last days or the end times would occur and what did we find Well, we found no declared dates days months or years we did have many references to seasons and actually a pretty good timeline from the Old Testament clear through if we would look, and we did. But as we know, this, this sort of thing as far as declaring dates and days is the work of religious, the religious world uh, of men. <clears throat> Not just Christianity, but even in other um so-called religions or beliefs of men in other ways. They have set many dates. Uh, And so far, right up to the present time, these dates have, uh, many of them have came and went and nothing has happened. But what we did find is this. We found the words of God's holy prophets and the commands of of the Lord's apostles unto the brethren, the teachings in the epistles and and the gospels, the words of Jesus, of course, the statements of Jesus, um, we we found all that. I want to share. Start this class with just a few readings from uh, Isaiah. Two readings in Isaiah concerning the uh, the the prophet's words, two of many, actually. Um, In Isaiah uh, chapter 65, starting with verse 9, 9 through 17, I want to read you this because this is the things that the Jews read during the time, the life, and ministry of Jesus and before. And it says, I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob, Out of Judah, a possessor of my mountain, and mine elect shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Now I'm going to read on, but I want to clarify something. The idea of um, the elect and the servants of God, those are those that are uh, faithful to God's word. So it wouldn't necessarily be just the Jewish people. It could be anyone. And, and as we get into this, we're going to find that there will be a successor to the Jewish people uh, in, in, as far as a large group. And the Sharon shall be a fold for flocks, and the valley of Achor, a crouching place for the herds. For my people they have sought me. But you, who forsake Jehovah, who forget my holy mountain, who prepare a table for Gad, and fill up mixed wine unto Mina, I will even assign you to the sword, and you shall all bow down in slaughter, because I called, and you did not answer. I spoke, and you did not hear, but you did what was evil in my eyes, and chose that wherein I delight not. Therefore, thus say the Lord Jehovah, Behold, my servants shall eat, and you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, and you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, and you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing aloud for gladness of the heart, and you shall cry out for sorrow of heart, and shall howl for vexation of spirit. And you shall leave your name for a curse unto mine elect. For the Lord Jehovah will slay thee and will call his servants by another name, so that he who blesseth himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the land shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles shall be forgotten and because they shall be hidden from mine eyes for behold I create new heavens and new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind now that covers a quite a period of time here friends Um, and it's it's very interesting but we We're seeing a comparison here. God is talking about the Jewish people, those that have forsaken him, are going to see another people, called by another name, become the elect and the blessed of God because they are obedient to his word. That's what the prophecy says there. And then in Isaiah 61, I like this passage because Jesus quoted this In the synagogue, he read it from the scroll to the uh, people in the synagogue listening. I believe it was in Nazareth. And he said, after he read this section of scripture, he said, uh, Today in in your ears, this saying has been fulfilled. But here's what he said. And this gives us a time frame, you see, for the, the prophecy and Jesus and the things to come the spirit of the lord jesus is upon me because jehovah hath anointed me to the, to announce glad tidings unto the meek he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of jehovah and the day of vengeance of our god to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, that beauty should be given unto them instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called terabits of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that he may be glorified. So when Jesus read that, he was recalling the, the words of the prophet to the mind of the Jewish people there and, and uh, giving them a time frame. this event that has been spoken of here, not only is he the instrument, but uh, it has been fulfilled in their hearing at that time. That's a, that was a powerful thing that he said to them. And it was setting forth the very thing that Jesus was preaching. And what was that? The nearness of the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand for the Jewish people. And the consummation of the covenant. So also, if we go to uh, as far as the, uh, the apostles, uh, they spoke many things too in reference to these things. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Peter, as he stood and spoke the words of the gospel for the very first time, he, this is how he began his talk before the Jews in Jerusalem. And Peter, having stood up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and declared to them, Men, Jews, Jews, And all those dwelling in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and hearken to my sayings. For these are not drunken, as you take it up, for it is the third hour of the day. You see, they were speaking in in the tongues, 14 different languages, that everyone there understood it in their own native tongue. But some said, what's going on? It seems like they're drunken. Well, he's clarifying this. It was only the third hour of the day, which is 9 o'clock in the morning. In verse 16, But this is that which hath been spoken through the prophet Joel. So he's taking them back. And it shall be in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men, shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams in verse 18 and upon and also upon my men servants and upon my maid servants in those days i will pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy so these things were had come to pass when was this spoken ad 30 That's when this was spoken in reference to a prophecy that had been with the Jews for many, many centuries, uh, and they were awaiting it. So Peter was doing something here that only by the Spirit of God could he have done to bring these two things together the way that Jesus did. And then let's look at um, 1 John. First John chapter 2, verse 18. And the Apostle John says, Young man, it is the last hour. And even as you heard that the Antichrist doth come, even now Antichrist have become many. many. Whence we know that it is the last hour. Now, I've read an argument just lately that the last hour doesn't refer to an hour of the day. Well, of course it doesn't. No. It refers it, it to, it, it is trying to take the issue of time and bring it to a closer fulfillment. Uh, the last days could be a number of days, right? Now, Peter was talking about the last days. That when these things occurred that they were seen in Jerusalem, with the apostles, that, made, that became clear to them that these are the last days of the covenant. Now, a number of years later, John, the apostle, is speaking of the last hour. So why did he do that? Because they were very, very close to the completion of the covenant of the Jews. You see, this does not concern us today, outside of the historical nature of it and how it relates to God's salvation from creation till now. It's all part of the, the plan. But we can't we can't be confused and try to somehow put ourselves in the context here. Um, well you know Neil it's almost
1: it is. It's the same exact thing as when someone states time's up. No matter what you want what you're referring to, time's up. So, it, are we to take that the time is now over forever? The time is gone. Okay, the time is. Right. Gone. No, I means time's up for whatever thing that you're
0: addressing. Yeah, exactly. What is being said here?
2: Yes, and, and uh, I, we should we should be able to understand it that way. But you know, we have Bible translations that when instead of putting the word hour there, they put days. I don't know how many translations but a good number of them. Why do they do that? Well,
0: they because
2: <laughs> Of course. They don't want the word, but I l- looked it up, friends. Uh, when I became aware of this sometime some long time ago, I looked it up and you know, the word means hour. There's a word for days. you see that's the kind of thing that we're living with. That's the preconceived notion that most of us have been dealing with all of our lives. And that's a, that's a problem. Now, I read these scriptures. I talked about the prophets, the words of the prophets, and the apostles of Christ, and Jesus himself. And many times, uh, what, we, what we come to the, uh, I guess we need to take the bull by the horns, and make a decision for ourselves, because it's obvious that as far as the last days and the um, the end times, as far as the first covenant goes, that uh, Daniel spoke of in chapter twelve, that we'll look at today, we're talking about the same period, and we're talking about the the um, covenant that God had from Uh, Genesis chapter 12, all the way through Revelation. And it's very clear that they, in the days of the New Testament, they were saying that these times are at hand. They are soon. They will quickly be upon us and all of these things. So we have to make an understanding and a decision of our own. Jesus said the same thing this generation will not pass away until all these things occur. There's much arguing about it, but we have to say, is Jesus wrong? You know, there are those that have actually said that Jesus didn't know. Uh, Well, he didn't know the, the date, but he did know the seasons. Even the angels didn't know. No one knew except for the Father. But does that mean that the, uh, the, the, the issue here. You see, the problem we have that we've dealt with a little bit during this, these lessons is this. When, when the churches speak today, when the theologians speak today, they're always talking about the second advent of Christ when he returns. But that's not what the Bible talks about. The, we don't have numerical issues there. I can show you where the birth of Christ. I can show you the, the presence of Christ on Pentecost with the apostles. We, you're going to start numbering things. You're going to be very disappointed in the, the theology of today.
1: How many times did he approach his disciples, and many uh, after his, after his resurrection? Exactly. And we're not even talking about what happened in the Old Covenant. I mean, yeah. in the old times,
2: we're not, I mean, and we're
1: leaving all that out.
2: We have at least two very clear advents uh, in the Old Testament. So we're th- this is a misnomer that the the so-called second coming and the end of the world are the same thing. But none of that the Bible speaks of in that way. The Bible speaks of um, the end. The end of a of a covenant uh, the end of a time period uh, time of the end uh, there again all within all within the boundaries of the Jewish covenant that God had with the Jewish people from Abraham to the end of the Covenant which was completely wrapped up in AD 70 73.
1: Yeah, and that's one of that's the
2: thing. I mean, we
1: always we all, sometimes we forget that it was the law that was added to the promise.
2: That's right.
1: And it's yes, it's the end of that Jewish covenant period and age. But at that end of that was the full the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. And we forget right. that we we turn it we spin it as negative. Well, a lot of negative things happened. I
2: know, but
1: was the most incredible deed that's ever been done.
2: The negative things that we read about in Isaiah, that those that were ungodly, that refused to obey and believe the word of God, were met with the sword. That did happen. Um, But the blessings, the blessings also rolled out to those of the faithful. So we have all of that. But we have to make this decision. And friends, uh, there's always been some confusion because of the terminology. And just a cursory reading of the New Testament, you get the idea that the apostles and the writers in the New Testament are expecting this to happen very soon within their lifetime. And that's very confusing when you're living 2,000 years later and people are telling you, that it's all, it's it's going to, it hasn't occurred yet. And we'll look at that, and one of the big reasons is that they're confusing that with the so-called end of the world, of which, believe it or not, friends, the Bible speaks nothing of the destruction of the universe at all. I I read a passage a couple weeks ago from Genesis 8, where God promised Noah that he would not destroy the, the, uh, uh, all that was living with the flood again, that as long as the earth endures, summer and winter and seed time and harvest and, and all the, the seasons, as long as the earth endures. Now that's an open-end statement, isn't it? But we're worried about something that is completely out of our control. There's no promise of destruction of the universe. There, uh, it looks it, it's way beyond us, and so we have to make a decision. I know the theologians, many of them hold to uh, that sort of thing, but many don't. Many hold to this also, and the, those and we try to give everything that we believe some kind of a title, and that's dangerous. Just use the scripture. I don't want to be pre or post or or, or this or that. I want to be a, a person of the word. Forget those titles. Because within all of those titles of people's eschatology there is no there there is there is nothing but division even amongst them in their own thinking. And it's just there's division and disagreements. So, don't get under one of those titles. Stick to the scriptures. The world of men are very concerned about the so-called end of the world. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the last days of the Bible. But the end of this world, for us, living right now, today, could be an hour from now, 50 years from now, or... You know, pick your, pick your time element. Uh, that is the so-called end of our uh, existence in the flesh in this world. So there's an understanding there. We do understand it. We don't talk about it in that way. But Jehovah God looks at mankind and sees two groups. And this is how we should see the people of the world, too. There's two groups. First, those within his kingdom that he can call his children. And all of them uh, that are his children are living the life through faith. See, the life is more than just breathing in air and our bodies functioning. The life is having a life that has no end, as Jesus promised those that were in him that believed in him. That's the life. But it's through faith. But there's a second group. That is the people that are living in this world, in the flesh, and have not entered into his kingdom. His presence. And how do we do that? Well, we do it through the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, and our obedience to the pattern of salvation. God's terms of pardon. God, God has terms for pardon for sinful man. Would you expect anything less? I wouldn't. Don't we have terms to everything we do? We do that too, so there's no confusion and there is no disappointment. Uh, so we know what we're doing, just as God has done. He's given us those terms. And those terms are his terms. They're non-negotiable, and we understand that by His word. Also, also we have seen clearly that the text of our Bibles, from actually from generation uh, gener, uh, Genesis 12. Now, before that, we have history of creation and and, and uh, some of the patriarchs of of old uh, that did have various. Uh, covenants, if you will. Uh, But when Abraham's covenant came, it became a covenant that was very much different. And this covenant given to Abraham in Genesis 12, that runs completely through our Bibles clear into Revelation to where we see things the old is done away with and the new has been brought about. We find that in... uh, Revelation 21. But we find that all of these things were written to and concerning the covenant people of God. The blessings, the promises, and the warnings for those people first through, and that ran all the way through AD 73 to where God's promises, blessings, and curses that for the first covenant period, came to a conclusion. The consummation of the covenant. That means the end of it. It had a beginning. We know where it was. It had an ending. We know where where it was. And we have record of it, actually, as we read Revelation and and the writing of the apostles concerning it. And then, after the gospel terms of pardon, was offered unto the covenant people, uh, that is, the Jews, in A.D. 30. After some years, and at just the right time, I might add, the Gentile nations were granted salvation and reconciliation to God through the gospel message, Jehovah's terms of pardon. Peter was brought to the house of Cornelius. Acts chapter 10 and recounted in chapter 11 also as he went and told everyone of it this was the this was God's plan this was his way now, that's why I said at just the right time could you have picked the right time i might have thought the time would have been the same time but why wasn't it there perhaps there's a reason isn't there at just the right time. And a lot of this has to do with God's promises and his love for his covenant people of the first covenant. To give them all that there was. To pour all of the energy of the apostolic ministry and the, and the message of Christ unto the Jewish people so that they would have redemption through the blood of the Messiah who is the Jewish Messiah, but became the Messiah unto men. <coughs> and we can say amen to that. And all of these people of that generation, from A.D. 30 through 73, were awaiting the last days of the Jewish covenant. They were awaiting the <coughs> the the time when they would See the Lord. And I use that word see in not just our English mode, but in the Greek term where seeing the Lord is the understanding in your mind, in your heart, and in your being, your spirit, that he is present. And that's what the word that we use for the coming of Christ means, the presence of Christ. There was a time when that understanding was was uh, for those people living in that day, the presence of Christ, and those are the last days of the Jewish covenant. Those are the last days and the last hour, is spoken about uh, within the Scriptures of the New Testament, especially. And it's not; it has nothing to do with the so-called end of the world. It has to do with the the conclusion the consummation of the covenant, which is a big thing. I'll grant you that, a very big thing. But let's read, uh, let's just pick up a passage in James chapter 5. Uh, James, this is the uh, uh, another son of Mary by, uh, by Joseph. He was the half-brother of Jesus in that sense, but he was one of the brethren of the family. But he became a Christian after the uh, resurrection of Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And in James 5, verses uh, 7 through 9, we read this as he's writing to uh, Christians of that day in his period. About A.D. 62, as a matter of fact. 61 or 62, this letter was written. Very close to the conclusion of the covenant. But he says, be patient then, brethren, till the presence of the Lord. Now, that presence of the Lord in most Bibles would be till the coming of the Lord. That's the same thing we're talking about. The day of the Lord. The parousia. Uh, that's, that's what he's speaking of here. Lo, the husbandman doth expect the precious fruit of the earth being patient for it, till he may receive rain early and latter. Now, the, in, in the Bible, we find in the Jewish way of uh, life, and, and to, as they speak of this, it's always early and latter rain during the year because that's how they lived. That's how they did their planting and their growing, the understanding of the early and latter rain. So they had a season for them to live year after year. And This is what all this is about. Be patient, ye also. Establish your hearts, because the presence of the Lord hath drawn nigh. Now, friends, can we give a drawn nigh a period of thousands of years? I can't. Because the Greek uh, words and the grammar there will not allow it. And he says, "Murmur not one against another, brethren, that you may not be condemned." Lo, the judge before the door hath stood. Now he's got the judge standing before the door. At that time, he's he's very patient too. (laughs) <laughs> We're to be patient because God certainly has been patient in his son. Who is the God. The judge that stands before the door? Well, if we read Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul says that God has, give, has given judgment into the one that he raised from the dead, the Lord himself, stands at the door. I, I've got a <clears throat> someone painted a portrait many years ago of Jesus standing in front of a door, uh, and the, the cottage is there, and the door, the one that I have, has a round top on it, the old-fashioned way. And one of the interesting things about that door is this. There was no handle on the side that Jesus was on. The handle was inside, and there was somebody in the in the room uh, that to open the door, if you will. So... Uh, I, now, that's the painting. That's not the Bible. That's right. But I thought that was interesting because it was saying something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We need to open the door. There's an action on our part. But the judge is standing there. It makes me think of that, that painting every time I read this scripture. The so-called second coming of Jesus in our future is not the parousia of Jesus. It is not what james is talking about here it is not the uh the time the 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 of of the lord and and the judgment because see the prusia was both judgment and reward see we, we tend to forget that and as a matter of fact the jewish folks that are speaking about the um, fall of jerusalem in a.d. 70 they never think of it as god's judgment they think of it as a warring army coming and destroying their nation. So they still don't understand what's happened, but the people then did. Even those that weren't Jewish people recognized what God was doing and and the and the, the that the issue was un- unbelievable before their eyes. Even those who who did uh, unnecessarily
1: face the fa- face some of the things that happened during that judgment uh, those those righteous Jews <coughs> yeah. Jews who who were killed
2: yeah.
1: who were martyred their their reward is very well documented in revelation we don't too often times we 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 see that differently
2: that's right a that context even though many of the christians had left jerusalem by then there were still righteous Jews that were seeking God. There were still uh, those that stood for the, the truth. That uh, that were still uh, they were fighting against the forces a uh, three different a three prong attack yeah. from three Jewish armies warring against each other and and the innocent. The innocent is what Alex was talking about. Many of them died um, by the sword and starvation in and, and a most gruesome uh, situation. This was um, this was the prophetic end of the covenant, and it all it all came about because of what uh, God had promised and, and told them that would befall them if they went astray. Now, reading Matthew chapter 23 will bring you up to speed to what I'm just talking about right now, what Jesus is saying to the Jews and, and what was coming their way because of their actions, not just their actions, but the actions of their forefathers. Now, the parousia of Jesus is clearly shown to us in Matthew 24.3. His apostles ask him pointed questions. They wanted to know about this that Jesus is talking about. He was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. They wanted to know when these things would be. And in Matthew 24.3, which is uh, a very good verse to read on this, And when he is sitting on the Mount of Olives, that is Jesus, The disciples came near to him by himself, saying, Tell us when shall these these be? In other words, these days of the destruction that he had been telling them about. And what is the sign of thy presence and of the full end of the age? That's the parousia, friends. But the full end of the age for the Jews came and went, and yet the world went on. Yet the the kingdom of God went on, and the world of men outside of that kingdom it also went on. So we're not looking for a, a destruction here uh, that is tied to the so-called second coming, the destruction of the universe or all physical things or something in like that set. That, that's not the Bible, friends. That's that's, man, that's man-made theology. Then Jesus answered them because he always answers questions when he can. And then in Revelation chapter one, when Jesus was speaking to the Apostle John, he was seeing this in a vision. Revelation one through three, uh, the first three verses. It says, a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to him to show to his servants what things it behooveth to come to pass quickly. Now, friends, we didn't put that word in there. That was That's in the original text, the quickly word. And he did signify it, having sent through his messenger to his servant John who did testify the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ as many things also as he did see. So what's happening here? God has told his son that is now sitting at his right hand the things that will come and when they will come to pass. And now he is telling through his messenger, through his angel, John the Apostle, And he is hearing and seeing many things. That's what's going to happen to him. Then in verse 3, it says, Happy is he who is reading and those hearing the words of this prophecy and keeping the things written in in it, for the time is nigh. So what? I take the promise pretty serious, friends. Both, Both those that are reading and hearing. They were hearing and reading these words in A.D. 62, 63, maybe a little before. This, this uh, revelation, as we call it, um, of Jesus Christ was, was in the churches. John had penned it as he, as he was told to do, and it was in the churches by that time. Now that's something that that we need to understand, but it is but it is true, and then it ends for the time is nigh. So we're are we not once again locked into a time period? We we certainly are, for the things that we're talking about here. We're talking about the the covenant, the parousia of Christ, the day of the Lord, and as Luke says, the time of judgment that has been ordained just as a time of blessing for the righteous because of that time period when out of the dust. Um, As a matter of fact, the last one we need to read is Daniel 12. Daniel 12, 1 through 4. And Daniel writes concerning his people and and as the archangel tells him, And at that time stand up doth Michael. And that time, friends, is this time period that we're speaking of here. The consummation of the age. The great head who is standing up for the sons of thy people, and there has been a time of distress. Such has not been since there hath been a nation till that time. And at that time do thy people escape. Everyone who is found written... In the book. So we see that this time period is the same time period that Jesus is mentioning as having no comparison. We're talking about the same time period. And the multitude of those sleeping in the dust of the ground do awake, some to life without end, and some to reproaches, to abhorrence without end. And those teaching. Do shine as the brightness of the expanse, and those justifying the multitudes as stars to the age, forever. That's a reference to the gospel message being brought to the people in the last days. That shines as the brightness of the expanse, and the justification through the gospel of Christ, through the, through the through the cross. Through the works of Christ, men are justified that they may become sons and daughters of God through the gospel. Through the new, through they're born out of heaven, not by the will of men, not by the ordination of a church or any other group, but by the will of God and by Him only. So, those are the things that. Make it very clear to me that this end, the end times, the last days, have been fulfilled as far as the Bible is speaking. Now, what can we say about the so-called end of the world or the, or the cosmos or the universe? Well, I know what I can say about it, absolutely nothing, because I don't know anything from Scripture applied to that. Now here's yeah that that's right. Now here's the thing, friends. In First and Second Peter, there are a few verses that people are very, very concerned with because it so, it seems like if we look at it in a cursory way and just a um, uh, not understanding the uh, uh, not understanding or having any uh, ability to deal with the uh, figurative language or what it represents then we're going to be very confused but let's look at it first peter verse 4 uh, first peter chapter 4 verse 7 this is the key verse now what's it say peter's saying and the end of all things the end hath come nigh Be sober-minded then and watch unto the prayers. Okay. What things is he speaking of? He's talking about the things of the covenant. All things that are Jewish. All things that pertain to the covenant and the people of the covenant. The end is coming. It's nigh. That's a a key verse. Now let's go down to verses uh, 17 and 19 in that same chapter. Because It is the time of the beginning of the judgment from the house of God. And if first from us, what's the end of those disobedient to the good news of God? This is exactly what's said in 2 Thessalonians in the first chapter. God will punish those that have not obeyed the gospel of Christ. That's what it means. That's the the beginning of judgment from the house of God. And if the righteous man is scarcely saved, the ungodly and sinner, where shall he appear? So that also those suffering according to the will of God as to a steadfast creator, let them commit their own souls in good doing. We still have the same period of time here. Now, in Second Peter, we're going to find um, that, uh, verses 1 through 7, we're going to find an account that is, is being compared to what is coming to the Jews in that time period. This now, beloved, a second letter to you I write, in both which I stir up your pure mind in reminding you, reminding you, to be mindful of the sayings said before by the holy prophets and the command of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, this first knowing that there shall come in the latter end of the day's scoffers according to their own desires going on, and saying, Where is the promise of his presence? For since the fathers did fall asleep, all things so remain from the beginning of the creation. And, for this is unobserved by them, unwillingly, or willingly, excuse me. For Let me read that again. For this is unobserved by them willingly. So there's something that they have seen, but they don't want to remember it. That the heavens were of old, and the earth out of water and through water, standing together by the word of God through which the, 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 the then world, by water, having been deluged, was destroyed. All right? And the present heavens and earth, by the same word, are treasured for fire, being kept to a day of judgment and, and destruction of impious men. Now here we have the issue. We got a comparison of the flood of Noah's day That destroyed, as it says, what does it say? By water having been deluged was destroyed. The then world. What's the reference to? The reference is to that that needed destroyed, isn't it? And it tells us what that is in the next verse. Because the comparison is the now, the present, heavens and earth. Now, what do the heavens and earth represent in the New Testament? And the old? And Judah and Jerusalem. All things Jewish. Matthew 5, chapters or, uh, verses 17 and 18. All the same thing. By the same word, God's word, are treasured for fire, being kept to a day of the judgment and destruction of the impious men. Now ask yourself a question. What is it that perished? in both of these accounts. The impious men and women, of course, mankind, those that were impious, those that had departed their Creator, departed their God, departed their covenant. That's what's destroyed. Because, friends, when it when they're compared this way as being a representative of each other, by God, the same word of God, we have to come to the conclusion that obviously the world survived the world that we call the earth. Many things survived. Well, a lot of things didn't survive, too. Like all of the the impious people, except for eight people that did survive. Now, how about the fire? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stop here. But the, the fire uh, is spoken of here. And let's read Malachi 4.1. Malachi 4.1 is the reference to that fire that Peter is speaking about here. For lo, the day hath come, burning as a furnace, and all the proud and every wicked doer have, have been stubble, and burnt them hath the day that come, say Jehovah of hosts, that there is not left to them root or branch. So, again, what is it that's being burnt here? We see it. Every wicked doer, they are the stubble that is being burnt. Obviously, that that is righteous is not being burnt, is not being destroyed. We're out of time today, but I, I, what I would encourage you to do now for yourself here is to go on reading in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. Read 7 again, uh, and then read through 14, and look at the terminology being used. Heaven and earth, kept for fire. That's Malachi 4.1. Heavens and earth will pass away on the day of the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, 17 and 18. The elements spoke of here, the elements are not wood, grass, or stones, but that which is ungodly in the Jewish covenant. That's the elements that's being spoken of here. And then when you've read that and put that in your mind, Turn to Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8 and read what God instructed John to write concerning the fact that he has created all things new. And you'll you'll see you'll see the conclusion of this. You see the end of the first covenant period is not the end of the world, not the destruction of the physical cosmos but it is the end of the Jewish age and all that was that was uh, uh, that was sinful and unnecessary for the kingdom of God to continue on in the new covenant was put to an end so that's why we have so much confusion with these words and a lot of it's our own fault uh, it's not the bible's fault it's got it right, um, but we need to do it. So I'd encourage you to do that. Hopefully this lesson has been useful to you uh, in this way, that you may be able to have some peace in this area and be able to share it with others concerning these things. For Remember, we're speaking of the Word of God here. We're speaking of the Bible and the truth of it. And we, grant, we give you a good day at this time pray you have a, a great uh, week great week to come as you serve uh, your creator as you are obedient to the lord jesus christ and we pray it all in his name amen